Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, we're getting pretty good at, you know, the generic reply. We'll try that one last time. How are we doing this morning? That's good. I thought we'd um, acknowledge the fact that the service today is brought to you by the Level Orange. Um, <laughs> I've brought a few of these, so if, if partway through you just feel like you need a little bit of a half-time snack, like you used to have when you are playing soccer as a kid, and you just go, man, I could do with an orange. Um, I've got a bunch of these available at the front. No, you don't get one. Um, <laughs> fun thing, Josh, Josh put a great Facebook post up the other day, and somebody commented... Oh, yeah. Boom. Somebody commented in Joshua's Facebook post, which I loved, saying, great word, Pastor Jared. Um, I don't understand. Uh, so much of my life, people have confused Josh and I with each other. Um, people have often confused our wives with one another. It's like this, this, this hole of vambuculism where we just get clustered into the same thing. Josh actually used to write articles um, in the paper, and there's a big photo of him. He used to write these, like, you know blog-type articles, leadership pointers and things like that. And I was in a cafe one day and someone just came up to me and said, man, I just so love reading your articles in the paper. You're such a gifted writer. And I was like, thank you, I really appreciate that. Another time someone came up to me and um, said, I, just, I really enjoyed your message on Sunday. And I said, did you? And they yeah, I love this about it, I love this. And I was like, mm-hmm. And I had no idea who this person was. I hadn't preached that week or anything. But I just, you know, I don't ever really correct people, I just take it. Um, <laughs> But if it's the other way and someone says, oh, I love what your brother did, and if it was me, I'm like, oh, no, uh-uh, that was me the whole time. So <laughs> um, would anybody like an orange this morning? Oh, I really like you, Marla. You can have the orange. <laughs> awesome. Hey, this morning, I want to talk on perspective, okay, because this perspective that we have in life alters so much of the way we make our decisions, our entire thought process, our beliefs, and then what we do from that is all altered by the perspective that we have when we go into any situation, good, bad, or otherwise. This one time when I was younger, I was dancing. I'm pretty sure Footloose was playing, okay? And uh, kid you not, one of my all-time favorite songs. And I was about 15, 16, and I was dancing down my hallway, okay, having a blast. I'm highly uncoordinated when it comes to dancing, okay, um, and many other things. And so I fell doing some Footloose move, okay? <laughs> Feet were clearly too loose. And then as I fell my elbow went through the wall just above the skirting boards, okay? So I got up and there was a hole in the wall and I was like, oh no, clearly I'm in trouble. Okay, so I went and told my mum, who's very creative, and said, hey, I've, you know, put a hole in the wall, how'd you do that? I was dancing to Footloose. Oh, well, Footloose, fair enough, who could blame you? Man, when you got a boogie, you got a boogie, okay? In that moment, I was expecting to be given some form of punishment or consequence, but mum had a very different perspective. I walked down the hallway a couple days later, and the hole, instead of being repaired, had been cut out to a shape about this big. It had been cut out. There was now a tiny wee mailbox (laughs) just outside of it. A little door had been hinged to it, 
And inside there was a wing mat and a little bit of furniture and a tiny wee TV. And she'd turn this thing into this awesome wee feature. And then when my little nephews and nieces would come around, they would marvel at this home that this little wee mystical mouse lived in and all the furniture and everything. And so what most people would look at and go, oh my gosh, what a muppety moment. Because of my mum's perspective, instead of having frustration, she saw an opportunity. And so as we look at Level Orange and all of these things and the chaos of life at the moment, I want to talk about what is our biblical perspective and our stance that we're going to view the world through in this current moment. So that as God speaks to us about loving our neighbors and discipling nations and healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead, that we don't lose sight of what really matters in this season and we don't degrade our perspective based on what is going on in our everyday circumstance. And I love perspective because the way we look at things can alter quite a bit. Um, you know, our perspective matters. And when we're going through life, it's really important, as Josh was saying the other day, that we not only have our biblical perspective, but through grace and love, we allow other people to have their own perspectives without feeling the need to correct and challenge everybody around us. Uh, But I also like the way that when we look at something from a certain point of view, um, we can see something a whole lot more dynamic. I love this in videography and photography, the way that you can actually alter reality just by shifting things and align with perspective. Having a different perspective can lead to a whole lot of really fun and creative opportunities. I was just grabbing some of these pictures the other day. I thought they were quite cool. I love it when you look at things from just the right angle and it creates an entirely different illusion. Sometimes we look at the situations that we're facing and they seem so big, they seem so real, but if you were to look at them from a different vantage point, we would see it was just clever chalk outlines on the ground, something that would be washed away in the next heavy rain. Um, media team, bro, my man, if you could cue that video up for me. Um, I want to do a little bit this morning um, around just how big God is and how small we are. You might have seen this video on YouTube. Um, I ripped it down, changed the music a little bit because the music behind it was lame. Um, <laughs> but do you know, ever take the moment to just realize that we live in quite a small country in the scheme of things. And in our small country, we live on actually quite a small planet um, in the scheme of planets. And our galaxy and our solar system is actually quite small in comparison to the ever-increasing expense of the millions and billions of galaxies that exist. And all of these things can fit within the palm of God's hand. So as we look at what perspective we're facing our problems with, whether they seem ginormous, I want us to take a step back uh, a little bit this morning and readjust our faith stance if it needs to be adjusted and take a moment to realize that whatever is going on around us is nothing compared to the power that is in Christ's hands. I love that line that Josh read out, you know, in this world, you will have troubles. I have overcome 
this world. So, you know, you are going to have problems here, but don't worry because I have conquered the entire ecosystem that these problems exist in. So let's take it, it's about a minute 30. If we could dim the lights, that'd be fantastic. Um, And we're just going to take a moment and just remind ourselves of how small we actually are in the scheme of how big God is and all of his creation. big must God be when you see how tiny earth is compared to some of the biggest planets and stars that are just within our own solar system and then you realize that solar system is part of our galaxy and then that galaxy is a part of billions of galaxies thanks honey got instantly thirsty and I wanted to eat an orange but that would be socially awkward you know God is Huge, and I want to read this out from Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them, is missing. But why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that line. You know, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And as I was just praying um, leading into this week, that, that verse was just going through my mind. And I also wanted to play that video. And then I looked at the whole verse in context. I was like, oh, this is all about the perspective of the God who, who holds the galaxies in his hands. 
you know, and what I get from that, you know, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, that, you know, whatever it is that you're putting your focus on and you're putting, you know, you're hinging your expectations around, that's where your hope is based. And so when we look at what perspective it is that we're standing on, the question that we should be asking ourselves is, where is my hope based right now? Where is it that I'm looking for my sense of security in this season? In this season as I go, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be obedient to the call um, that you've got on my life. Is my hope in you and my expectations in you the never-ending, never-changing, constant source of power in this universe? Or is my hope in what our government might do, is my expectations in what my leaders might do, is my hope in something that could be frail and always subject to change, or is my perspective consumed with my focus of you? And so I wanted to just you know, tell a, a really simple Bible story um, around somebody that had a perspective that just held on to God. And when it went from bad to worse to worse to worse, then suddenly in the 11th hour, that final moment, God flipped it on its head and they had that incredible victory moment. But it was actually quite hard to narrow down which story I wanted to tell because I don't know if you're aware, the Bible is just filled with those stories. The Bible is filled with people who have got this incredible perspective that God is going to come through, and reality is telling them the total opposite over and over and over and over. And then finally, God flips the script and in an instant delivers them into incredible promise. And so, first, I was thinking, I'll tell the story of David, who God says, You know, you're going to be a king. And he holds on to that promise, and that's his perspective. And he goes through problem after trial after trial until finally in Ziklag, you know, he loses his entire family. Um, all the women and children are taken away, and his men decide to kill him. And it says in that moment, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And then within 24 hours, he goes from his own men going to kill him to being promoted and becoming king over the tribe of Judah. You know, I thought, well, that would be an amazing story. And then I thought, well, what about Mordecai versus Haman in the book of Esther where, you know, Mordecai is under this incredible problems of his whole uh, race is going to get wiped out and Haman's going to have him killed. And then in the very last moment, God flips the script and Mordecai gets promoted and Haman, who was going to, you know, get him hung at the gallows, ends up getting hung on the gallows that he built to kill Mordecai with. And I'm like, man, what an amazing, like, plot twist. And I was like, oh, what about Jesus on the cross, you know, where it looks like all hope has been lost and everybody's perspective is, oh, we failed. How could this happen? And the devil's perspective is, yes, I finally won. And then a moment later, it gets totally flipped and Jesus redeems all of creation. And I was like, man, that's, that's an amazing story. And uh, then I was on the phone with somebody yesterday and they were just talking through, you know, what it is that they've been seeing in the prophetic. And then they they mentioned a Bible story and I suddenly remembered, oh, two or three weeks ago on Sunday, God dropped that story in my heart and I got up and I was about to share it um, as a prophetic word for the church around, you know, just something that I felt God wanted to impart. And then when I stood on the stage, it sort of left my mind and he gave me something else. And so I went, oh, this is a story I want to share. I want to just share this story for a little bit and then we're going to break into some groups and we're going to ask ourselves with God a couple questions. And I love this story. This story takes place in the book of Two Kings. And uh, the king of Syria is trying to conquer the nation of Israel. But he's got a problem 
Because he sits down in his war room with his generals and they make a plan. They're going to go, all right, we're going to go into Israel. I'm going to set up a camp here. We'll catch them by surprise. And then way, way away, wherever Elisha is hanging out, Holy Spirit is showing him the conversations that are taking place. So then Elisha goes to the king of Israel and goes, hey, uh, God's just told me what's happening in the war room over in Syria right now. Um, So don't go here and don't do this because there's going to be an army waiting to ambush you there. So the king will send a scout to go look and go, oh my gosh, what an amazing word of knowledge. And then they would deviate. And then the king of Syria goes, ah, I don't know how they managed to keep maneuvering around me. And it said it didn't happen just once, not just twice. It happened multiple times until the king of Syria sits down with his you know, generals and says, all right, which of you is the traitor? Who here is on the side of Israel? There is no other explanation than someone here is a spy. And the men say, oh, oh king, it is not us. Do you not know that there is a man of God who hears even the words that you whisper in your bedroom and God reveals to him all that you say? And so the king is like, oh, well, clearly that's a logical response. There's no spies in here. There's a man of God who's like, you know, God's showing him everything I say in my pillow talk. And so he finds out where, and I love this, he goes, I know, the guy that can know everything I'm gonna do pretty much before I do it, let's track him down and we'll catch him off guard and kill him. Genius. And so they find out that Elisha is hanging out in a, camp, in a town called Dothan. And uh, this is what it uh, picks up, and I just want to read this um, a little bit. Because uh, Elisha's there, and his servant wakes up. And uh, this is what happens. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, how how awesome is it every now and then to just take a moment and go, God, could you give me a fresh perspective? You know, I woke up this morning and the world that I woke up to was different to the world that I went to sleep with. I like that Elisha in this story probably knew full well what was going to happen before he even went to bed. He's like, eh, I won't tell anybody. This will be funny in the morning. I wonder how they're going to react to this one. And so then then the, the army charges in and Elisha goes, God, you know what would be great? Can you just make them all blind? So then they arrive, and God strikes them with blindness, and Elisha goes up to them and says, this isn't the town you're looking for, and I am not the man that you're after. I'm wondering, based on anybody's general sense of direction, if I'm about to charge down a hillside into a town, and that's probably the only town there, And then just before I arrive at that town that I was going to, and I am now suddenly blind, someone says, oh, no, this isn't actually Dothan. I would be like, oh, I'm pretty sure that like five seconds ago it was. (laughs) And now we're all blind because we're trying to find this mystical man of God, and you tell me you're not him? I'm not buying it. But so this is what happens, okay? So they all get struck blind, and Elisha says, this isn't the town, I'm not the guy. But I'll take you to him. 
take it to him. And so he leads them all. You picture this. This is a decent-sized army. They're probably all like this, hands on shoulders. And he's like leading them all. This way, guys, this way. Every single puddle that he could find steps in through it. Every bit. <laughs> you know. Oh, we can't go through this part of the water unless you drop all your wallets. I don't, it's just the way this, this river works. Drop your wallets. We'll carry on. And then he takes them into their capital. Okay? He takes them into their capital city. Then they're totally surrounded by Israeli soldiers who basically, they've probably got all their arrows trained on them. And Elisha goes, hey God, open their eyes right now. And they open their eyes. They're totally surrounded. They're like, you know, in a death pit. And um, Elisha's like, aha! Ta-da! Try that perspective on the size. And then, then the king of Israel goes, oh, can I strike them down? Can I strike them down? Three times. Can I strike them down? And he goes, no, you can't do that. They're our guests. Let's put on a great feast for them. Let's host them. Let's love them. And so they bring out the best food, the best drink. They feed the entire enemy army. And then Elisha says, all right, you can go back to your own kingdom now and go back to your king and tell him what took place. Then the last line in that chapter says, and the king of Syria didn't try to invade any longer. I love that when we hold the right perspective, not a perspective based on our own intelligence, not of our own understanding, but a perspective that has been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, it can alter the way we we make all of our decisions. And what is amazing in this story was there wasn't hundreds or thousands of people that were holding God's perspective It was just one person. It was just Elisha. Everybody else seemed blind to it, but Elisha, he didn't need to convince anybody of anything. The perspective that he held was powerful enough on his own that he could step out in faith and deliver a nation from the hands of their enemies. But not only that, he hosted them, loved them, fed them, and sent them home and brought about peace between the two nations. What a phenomenal perspective. And so I just want to wrap up here and I want to break us into some groups. Just, oh, not that group, not that group, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. Oh, that one. And we'll just break into some groups. My friend Brock, you should come hang out with me because we know you're cool. Um, way to point somebody out on their first Sunday. Sorry, man. Um, and we like breaking in groups of four or five or six and we're just going to go through this. What is God showing you right now? You might not have God revealing anything to you at the moment. But that's always a great challenge, going, what was the last thing then that he showed me? What was the last thing that he talked to me about? What was the last piece of instruction that he gave me? Am I still living that out? And if I've completed that, am I going back to his presence to getting a fresh prophetic revelation of what his spirit is doing in this season? And if I got a new perspective, how might this change what I'm doing in my life? So let's just break into some groups now. Maybe we can put a bit of background music on and uh, let's just spend five or so minutes um, having a conversation and then at some point Josh will jump up and and wrap everything up. Awesome. And if you want an orange, come see Rowena because I have lots of oranges.